This is the Learning Curve Podcast, and I'm Pastor Scott Rambo. Welcome to the classroom. Let's dive into the Word of God and see what He has to say to us today. Father, we thank you for yet another time to be in your Word, God. Thank you that your Word is always yes and amen, God, that it does not return boy. Father, prepare our hearts and our minds to receive your word this morning, God. Remove all those things that have been said against us this week, God. Anything that might might be on our mind, Lord, that would keep your word from being engrafted into who we are. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your forgiveness, for your goodness, Lord, for all that you've kept from us this week. We ask that you be with us in this time that the Spirit of God speaks clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 is where we pick back up. Last week we, of course, didn't have... A morning because Father's Day. It was the day of fathers. So uh, we're going to pick back up at Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It's a simple verse, um, but there's so much in there. And I mean, I listen to a lot of people preach, preach this, and I've read it and studied it myself. But John MacArthur himself said that for him to believe that he could even in the, he spent an hour and 17 minutes, which is really long for him, on the first message on this. He said, for me to even think for a moment that I could unpack what this means in a week would be silly. Because we we will never, myself included, I'm telling you, we will never truly understand what that exactly means until we are face to face with our Savior. Because there is absolutely no way this side of heaven that we will ever understand what pure really means. And I have the weight of that this week. And the weight of that on me, especially studying this, was it's pretty overbearing when you realize just how terrible and wretched and horrible we truly are without Christ. Without Christ, we have absolutely nothing. And I'm, that's one of the things about this is, is the goodness of the gospel is, is that you're, you're alive so you can, you're going to go to hell, but you don't have to. We talked about that earlier in the week. That, and that's what he's saying over and over, over and over from the first time he opens his mouth. Christ is telling you, you, you are going to go to hell, but you don't have to. I have made a way. I have made a way for you to be happy, to be favored, to be blessed. And that way is through me. And as he's continuing to do this, especially once you get into this verse 8, he is now starting to dismantle everything that the Old Testament was about as far as Pharisees, the law, all of those things. Because here's the thing, the law, no one could keep the law. They knew that. That's why there was 314, 15, 16 mitzvahs. They kept adding to the law. Down it got to the point to where there were some that said, you know, if you can just keep one, if you can keep one of the Ten Commandments or one of these, then you can make it. No, that's not what the Word of God said. But man created a tradition, and they continually changed and changed. Instead of being obedient and being conformed to the Word of God, they changed it for themselves. Y'all, that's no different today. All of the religions, all the things that we see, that's just man trying to bend God to his will so that he can feel justified in the life that he lives. That's, and that's just a sad truth. So I'm going to recap right quick. In verse 1, we saw weeks ago, they gathered. They're gathered there. Christ is standing there. Uh, verse 2, he opens his mouth to speak. This is the beginning of 5, 6, 7, three chapters of him just talking just at one time. He never stops. This is a one continuous sermon. 
which is amazing because sometimes you preach something and people are like, that was way too much information. And I think it was just enough. But Jesus is fixing to drop like this is this is how it is in my kingdom. I'm fixing to show you what my kingdom looks like from beginning to end. And he does it all at one time. Then poor, the poor in spirit we find, blessed are the poor in spirit. You're bankrupt and you're in need of a Savior. That's the first thing he shows you. The Pharisees are wrong. The Sadducees are wrong. The religious right is wrong. You cannot do anything to earn this. You can never be good enough. It's an impossibility. And unless you, unless you admit that, and then in verse 4, mourning over your sinful state, unless you admit that and you mourn over the fact that you are a sinner and you acknowledge the fact that you are lost and undone and then and you need a savior, you're not going to make it because there's no affiliation with anything that's going to get you into heaven. You know, today it's, it's denominations. Back then it was a, you were a Pharisee, a Sadducee, a Zealot. You were, everybody's always been tied to a something. Quit being tied to a something and, and be, a, be a branch. How, how about you just be tied to Christ Jesus? And that's what he's telling them here. Listen, the day's gone, all of this other stuff... You're going to bear fruit, and it's going to be because of me, because you're going to be attached to me. You, we have to be branches. That's our job. So then we see in 5 and 5, we are humbled and acknowledged that we, we need mercy. We see for the first time that we truly need mercy. We begin to seek God. It's only the goodness of God and the understanding and the knowledge of God that makes us seek Him, because now we're like, oh my gosh, I'm lost and undone. There's no way I can do anything without you. I, you begin to seek God. Then we understand mercies in verse 7. We understand the mercy we have received. It should be reciprocated. Okay, so wait a minute. So now that I've received this, do you mean that I should return that to everyone I come into contact with, even my enemies, even the people who hate me and want to destroy me? Yeah. When we get into the last part of 5 and 6, and you're going to see, we no longer do, we no longer hate anybody. We don't do wrong to anybody. We, nothing, guys. We love our enemies as though they were our family. Now, how hard is that? Impossible without Christ. That's the reality that we face. And then we find here, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will seek God. They will see God. We must acknowledge that it is only through Christ. He's telling you that. This is the pure in heart. Now, these, these individuals know the Old Testament. They know what the Word said. They realize that there is absolutely, aside from the law, a person who was a truly religious and was righteous in God's eyes, if you want to say, knew that there was only one way, one right way, and that was to keep the law, every bit of the law. Now, would they admit that? No, because they had added all this stuff so they could live their life. They knew they were only supposed to travel something like this. They could only travel so many footsteps on a Sabbath unless there was a cable that was a piece of cord that was attached to their house to another place. As long as their house was attached to the next one, then that extended the length of their home. So they would attach them all over so they could travel farther. What's well, called a loophole, right? There's no loopholes in the Word of God. The only loophole is the blood of Jesus Christ. That is it. And it's laid out pretty well. There's one way, and that way is through Christ. That's what he's telling them right now, and I can't imagine in their mind how they must how they must have felt. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, blessed, happy, fortunate, or envied are the pure in heart, those spiritually clean and purged, purified by God. You have an unmixed devotion. Are you 100% of every day 100% devoted to Christ? No. But I can promise you this, it's more and more than it was before you were born again. 
Before you live for the world. Now you live for Christ. How does that look? Sloppy, messy at times. Other times it looks like victory. It looks like everything is lining up perfect and everything is perfect. Other times you feel like a failure and you feel like you've you failed completely and totally. And how could he love you? But then the spirit of God ushers in and he says, I love you because I love you, because I saved you, because I bought you with my blood and you're reinvigorated. Why does that happen to us? Because we're filled with the spirit of God, because there is something different about us. Because instead of being defeated and staying in a state of defeat, we go back and we remember what his word says. And his word said, I've made you more than an overcomer. And we remember all those promises. That's what sustains you and I. The word of God sustains us. It gives us so many promises that help us on and on and on. About being pure in heart. So then in heart, the center and seat of our spiritual life, the soul or the mind, as it is the fountain and seat of thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. Y'all, those all, all of those things at list, I'm not pure in those things. I would hope to be pure in just one of them. The only, and I, I can't sit here and tell you that every thought, passion, desire, appetite, affection, purpose, endeavor of my soul and mind is pure because it is not. I've said this before, and I will continue to. There are things that I pray for and things that I want that are self. They're, they're for self. I would love to be healed. That doesn't, would that glorify God? Yes, if I turn around and glorify, but is God not glorified because I'm in the state that I'm in, just as the state that you're in, and yet he sustains you through that? I think there's more glory in that. I know that God is who God is because today I sit here and I do what I do. If he healed me, that would be super awesome, but then what would, what would the need for him be? What would he be sustaining me in? In my ministry? No, this is his ministry. This is what he does. And he enables us to do the thing that we do. And that keeps us humble. Same way with Paul. Paul could have been a very prideful man, but he was humbled by the thorn that he had in his flesh. And, and he did a wonderful job dealing with it. Then we see, that for they, they, that's those who are pure in heart, will see. To see and experience with the mind, to spiritually see and discern, that's the first thing. This is not just to see him. Yes, we will see him someday, but it's now. Those who are born again believers, those who are filled with the Spirit of God, you can see God in everything. Romans chapter 1, a person who's born again can look at this world and see that there was someone who designed this world, that things don't happen from, this is not happenstance. It was, it was intelligent design created everything. Intelligent design orchestrates everything. I all the way down to stoplights, all the way down to, in my, personally, in my life, every single part of my life, God himself has orchestrated my life. I have to believe that because he's already been there. The word of God tells me there's nowhere that I have been in my life that God has not already been there, prepared a way and made a way. He even says that before the foundations of the earth, he preordained good works for me to walk in. Like there's a path of righteousness and a perfect path that's perfect for him, not for me. He says he does these things for his good pleasure and will, not for mine. I'm an instrument. If I'm truly who I say I am, I'm an instrument in, God, in God's hands. Why? I can't answer that because he loves me. I still don't know why he does because this is definitely not, this is not what I would use. I would not use this, but God sees what we don't see. That's where the purity comes in. God sees the finished product. 
We can't see the finished product yet. We're being purged constantly. Things are being, the drought is being taken out. We go through trials and tribulations and all of those things and we wonder why. Why has it got to be so hard? Why has it got to be so hard? And God's purifying us through the whole, the whole thing. And we're going to get down to that in the others because next is not long. Blessed are those who are persecuted. What do you mean that they kill you? Oh, that's a blessing? Yes, actually it is. So, so we'll go back. It also is to proceed with inward spiritual perception. You have got a spirit inside of you, believer. And that spirit is supposed to be able to have a kindred spirit with the spirit that's in a person who is also saved. It's just like Denise had posted, and I've seen several other people. Churches are not gangs, and we are not supposed to be opposed to one another. Do we oppose heresy? Yes. Do we oppose heresy? Yes. If, I can, if you can find it, if you cannot find it in this word, and someone says that it's true, I'm opposed to that. Because the word of God says that is an antichrist. It is against God. But am I ugly and mean-spirited towards the one who's doing it? No. Our job, especially those who are supposed to be called to ministry, is to try to reason with that person to come alongside them and say, Hey, listen, I understand. I will listen to every word that you have to say. You explain to me why you feel the way you do. But all I need you to do is just please hear me out. Let us reason together. And if at the end, if at the end there's an impasse, that's fine, but we're still brothers. We're both seeking to serve the same God and to make it to the same place, will we? That's God's business. But this infighting, the fighting that goes on is not helping the church at large. It's not. There's no pureness of heart in that. Those that are set against you, Paul was very adamant about the fact that you mark them and you just stay away. Yep. It's a, there's a difference in a conflict of secondary issues and heresy, but there's also a difference in heresy and a heretic. Like, we can preach and teach something that's not, not true out of ignorance and, and be in heresy but that doesn't make you a heretic. But there are those out there who know the truth and preach something different. And that's, but the world, like what Denise posted and stuff, even the Christian world, but the world does it, the Christian world has adopted it. We want to go straight from, I don't believe like you do, so you must be a heretic. And that's, there's a disconnect there. That's not biblical. Not biblical at all. We can agree to disagree on a lot of things. Yeah. Do you agree on Christ? That's literally the only thing that matters. Yeah, because if we can't be reasonable, that's the hard part is, is you watch the people outside are watching the church not reason together. And he says, why do we perish from lack of knowledge? And what is it that we're supposed to do? Reason together. Now, when I go to a person, because I've done this with several people, and I reason with them reasonably, and we still are on talking terms, but we come to an impasse, we don't talk about that anymore. Because unless the Lord changes me or changes you, that's not going to change, right? Uh, R.C. Sproul's is one of the greatest ones. They was talking about things that don't matter, secondary issues. We call them the rapture. And, you know, he believed one way and the other, and they asked him, you know, could his mind be changed? He said, well, it, it can be changed in the middle of it, you know. Like, if, if I'm wrong in the middle of the rapture, if I'm wrong about when it happens, I'll change my mind when it happens. But up until that point, I'm not, because I feel, honestly, that that's what the Lord that's what he's laid on me is that this is when it's going to happen and this is how. Is that a heaven or hell issue? It is not. Is the Trinity. 
is Jesus Christ, is the blood of Christ, is what is. Like, what is, there are things that are, and this pureness is one of those. Jesus is saying this, this blessed are the pure in heart. You have got to be pure in heart if you're going to see God. That's not an issue that we can, we can go left or right on. But what does that look like? And see, that's the thing. That's where religion takes this right here, and they go this. They just throw it out there. You go, you go to Catholicism, it's another thing. You go to oneness, it's another thing. You go to every denomination has an idea of what this is. But most of them don't even align with what the Word of God says. So what is it to be pure in heart? So true holiness is the problem for, for us, guys. We're born in sin. A true holiness for a human is impossible. Save Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can help you and I. Hebrews 12 and 14 we know this one. Pursue peace with all people and, the, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Well, goodness gracious, you telling me without holiness I won't see the Lord? Yeah, well, that's what it says in the Old Testament too. Then again, 1 Peter 1, 15, 16. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. That's a big problem for you and I. Matter of fact, it is the ultimate problem is that we must be holy in order to be in the presence of a holy God in the end. The biggest problem that man has right there, boom. You were born in sin, you were shaping in iniquity. And it's not even 100% your fault. But here's the deal. If you'd have been there, you'd have done the same exact thing. That's a cop-out. That's another one of those things that they say, well, if I'd have been there, I wouldn't. Yes, you probably would have done worse. You probably would have done worse. So, the goal, holiness. We just read two, two places that says that. Brother Matt, are you saying I must be holy to make it to heaven? Yes. 100% holy. But we all know that to say that we're without sin is to make God a liar, right? We know that there's no way to be sinless on this side. We can only sin less, which is what we should be doing. You shouldn't be sinning more since you've been saved, believer. That's not, that's not how this works. We don't sin so that grace abounds, God forbid, Paul says. So let's see what 2 Corinthians... So the burden that we carry is it is humanly impossible to be, to be holy for you and I outside of Christ. 2 Corinthians 6 and 17, Therefore come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. Number one, is there any reason... This is the first part. Why in the world did you ever come out from among them? You heard the pastor's testimony many times. You hear other people's. Step number one is to come out from among them. There is absolutely no reason for anybody, because you were a God hater, the only reason that you came out from among them is because God called you from among them. You did not choose him. He chose you. And Jesus says it in John chapter 15. I, you did not choose me. I chose you. So the first thing that you have to see is the only reason that you even have the opportunity to be called holy is because a holy God called you to be holy. You don't have a choice. You didn't choose to be holy. God chose that you would be holy before the foundations of the earth. That's an amazing thought. And it blows people's mind, and it did mine for six months, and I didn't like it. But the more I see, the more I see now, the more I love it. Because God loved me so much that he has, pre, he has made sure that every way along my life, there is a path that leads to him in holiness. What kind of God would, would you want to serve a God who didn't have that? Who couldn't take care of what you have? Do you want to work for a company who can't control their employees? 
work for a company who can't assure your safety? I would not. God leaves nothing to chance, absolutely nothing. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let's cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. How? In the fear of God. Proverbs tells us what? The beginning of wisdom is fear of God. Right? The beginning of knowledge is fear of God. You can't have a fear of God that's a righteous fear of God without being called out from among them, having a new sight, a new vision, so that you can, as he says, you will see God. I now have spiritual vision. I can see God for who he is, and I understand he's a good, good father. And I know that even in the terrible things that happen, he is working in me to, to my good, for his good, as an instrument of righteousness. So that's an amazing thing, that he chooses to use you and I. James 4, 8 through 10, a little heavier. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. We're still sinners. Anybody that tells you they're not a sinner, I'm not a sinner, I'm a... You sin. You better be a repenter is what you better be. You better be repenting every day. If you don't want to call yourself a sinner, that's okay. You better be a repenter because guess what? You sin, Either however you want to look at it. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double-minded is, it's the same thing that... And we go back to these scriptures so much... It's the same thing that Paul said. Why is it that I want to do what's right, but I find myself doing what's wrong? That's double-minded, guys. That's double-minded is, I know what I should do, but I don't do that. that that's an, it, but that shows that there's an inward struggle. Before you just did what you wanted to do, there was no fight. That means that something's being worked out in you. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Oh, it sounds like the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount now, doesn't it? Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Hey, guess what? stop, stop doing what you're doing. Remember what got you into this? Remember what Jesus Christ said at the very beginning of his message? Go back to that. Because the only reason that you have the opportunity to be holy is because of all of that. Because you noticed who you were. You noticed you needed a Savior. You reached out for him. You were, stop. I love that. Paul says that many a time. He's like, you were doing so good. What's, what's got you off track? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you being a knucklehead? Stop it. Remember, remember, you used to be like that. That's not who you are anymore. Again, that's what it's saying. And Jesus has got down to verse 8, and he's, he just dropped the truth bomb on these people, and they're like, whoa. So religion doesn't have anything to do with it? Absolutely not. It has nothing to do with it. Matter of fact, everything that you know to be right, it's wrong. It's very wrong. Especially, bless their heart, the way that they learned it. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. You could never, no man can humble himself to God unless he belongs to him. You will never humble yourself. That's the whole thing is, if you will not subject yourself to God, you will never subject yourself to anything else. You say that you are, but you're really not. You must, we must subject ourselves to God. And that's a hard thing because you know what that requires? It requires me to die to self. Because I have got to say to myself in all honesty, I'm going to die so that someone else can be my master. Nobody wants to do that because slave and master is such terrible words in our time, the connotation that they carry. But I, the truth is, is being a slave to the perfect master is not even being a slave. It's not. I mean, but, can, but is that how you see the relationship between you and God? Because God, he, he also goes on to say, I no longer call you servant, but I call you friend. 
right? John 15, we're still in it. Okay, I no longer call you that. I called you, you didn't call me, but hey, guess what? I don't call you my servant anymore. I call you my friend. In other words, you're my son. You're my daughter now. I've adopted you in. This process is going to begin in your life, and you will see me. And through this process, as long as you abide in me and stay in me, guess what else you'll see? You will see God all throughout your life. In my scriptures, in my word, as you walk through this thing, it's one of the things that it makes life really, really hard. It has for me since I've been saved, but it's just the reality of it. And I used to, with Denise, with Daddy, with different ones, when I talked to them, they'd ask me, why are you doing that? And I'm like, I'm just doing what I know is right. I, and I can't really tell you why. I just know that there's something inside of me, there's a spirit in me now that drives me to do things. And I rise up and I do that thing. Do I want to do it most of the time? No. Because there's flesh. I'm tired. I don't want to. I don't. There's something that I would much rather do, but you know what I do? I do what I feel I'm led to do. And when I do what I feel that I'm led to do, I don't have to apologize. I don't feel sorry. I don't have remorse. I don't look back on that and wish I'd have done it different. At the moment, I'm suffering spiritually, physically, in my relationships with my family, with my wife. Those, those are lacking. But in the long term, in the long term, it always is good. God is always working in the midst. It's very, very hard. Being in the ministry, doing this thing, if you're truly living for God, this is not easy. And those who tell you it's easy, they're wrong. You're going to lose years of sleep. Not hours of sleep. Well, I, I lost an hour or two of sleep. No, then you're not doing it right. You're going to lose, there's so much that you're going to, you're going to lose so much of yourself. Thank God for that. Why? Because this is what's happening in you. This, what's that? That's, that's the thing. What, what, what do you gain? You gain eternal life. You gain purity. You gain people, like, just in, just in the past three years, that, you know, Brother Scott's been here, just the struggles that the two of them have gone through. Your, your personal things, the things in your life, the things in ministry, the same for all the rest of us. We didn't have to do any of that alone. And I'm not just talking about with God because he never leaves us alone. You, If you in this church, if you are in this fellowship and you've went through something alone, it is your fault. Because there's not one person here who wouldn't come alongside you and help bear your burden. That's a reality. We have cried together. We have screamed together. We have yelled together. We have tried to reason together. We have turned and walked different ways from one another. That's what this is really about. It's a struggle. And the pureness of heart us being able to see God, even in those moments, those terrible, terrible moments, tells me that we have something that Jesus Christ was telling them, you must have to see God. That should, that should embolden you because you have something that the world doesn't even know anything about, absolutely nothing about. So the, the true problem that we found right there, True holiness is a problem for the human because we're born in sin. It cannot be obtained through religious observation. It can't be achieved through the law, and it can't be achieved through the means of man. There's nothing we can do, absolutely nothing. So Jesus is pointing out that the, the way that seems right is actually the pathway that leads to destruction, which we see narrow is and broad is, right? He is challenging everything they know about how to serve God and achieve a right standing before him. Well, if I sacrifice, if I do this, go to 1 Samuel 15. I would, I would rather obedience than sacrifice. Look, all the way back to the beginning, I never wanted you to sacrifice anything. All I really wanted you to do is be obedient. 
Moses, Aaron, all I wanted you to do was go tell the people one thing. I didn't ask you to hit the rock two times. Aaron, you'd die now. Moses, you'll never see the promised land. And those promises were kept all the way to the end. Did they see heaven? Yes. But they didn't get to see. They missed out on the goodness. But they didn't miss out on eternity. Thank God. That's where 1 Corinthians chapter 3 comes in. Study that and read it and understand it. You can lose a lot of things, but once you have been bought and paid for by the blood of Christ Jesus and you are in this process, you have been bought and paid for. The Lord does not return goods. You either are or you are not. Many people spend a whole lifetime believing they are and never have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in the end, that's why it says in Matthew 7, which where we'll eventually get, they just can't believe it. I mean, they really can't. They're weeping and gnashing their teeth. They just, I can't believe this. I've served you. I've know. He goes back and he says, go back to the beginning of my sermon. You know, I'm in verse, I'm in chapter 7. Two chapters back, remember those things I said? No. No, you didn't. You still were trying to do it the old way. We've got to quit trying to do it the old way. There's one way that is in Christ Jesus. All of the rest of this is, we have to do this because the Word says it. The Word says to continue spreading His gospel. The Word says to disciple His people. The Word says to gather in love, to fellowship, to serve. All of those things are part of it. But let's not forget what this is all about. Let's not forget that there's nothing that we're doing here today that's earning anything. It's already been done. We are in the motions and doing what we are to do because we are filled with the Spirit of God and we have been called to these positions, whatever they might be. Because right there, the pure in heart will see God and we can see God moving in our lives, in the lives of our loved ones, and even in our community. Thank God for that. He is pointing to himself through the Sermon on the Mount as the way, the truth, and the life. That's the reality of this. So let's look at, we've looked at the goal, holiness, we can't do it. The burden is humanly impossible. We can't do any of the things it says. But the eternal question, Job asked this. Bless his heart. I'm so glad I'm not like Job. In truth, I know that this is so. But how can a person be in the right with God? Oh, man. Now, that's a heavy question. He's really thinking. So then he goes on. This is in, And then in chapter 15, he get, again, But what is man that he would be pure? Or he who is born of a woman that he would be righteous? Well, and Jesus is now answering that. That's, see, that's the amazing thing about studying the Word of God as a whole and not as just a piece. That's why we go verse by verse and line by line because we're going back into the Old Testament and we're pulling actual Scripture where a man who was judged as righteous and Satan was allowed to attack him ask a question that Jesus Christ has answered on the Sermon on the Mount. You want to answer? I've got it for you. Here's where it is. Then we're going to also go into Ezekiel and we're going to go into Psalms to answer it. Y'all were answering questions that are asked by Job through the Sermon on the Mount. This is, this is perfection right here. This is infallible. A lot of people can't wrap their mind around it and they fight and they push against it. This is infallible. This is perfect. This ties everything together seamlessly. <clears throat> so the question is, what is man that he would be pure? I mean, when he's standing before God, you would, have, you would have to go and read the fullness of it and all the things that he's saying and how he's saying. And then God speaks and he's standing there and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't believe that I even spoke the way that I did. Yeah, I'm sorry, Lord. 
You know, who, who am I now that I know who you truly are? Like he said before, I knew who you were, but now I've I, I seen you. Like now I see who you are. What did Jesus say right here? They will see God. Job went through what he went through so that he wouldn't just know who God was, but he would see him. For the first time he saw Job. And when he saw Job, you know what he truly saw? Himself. When Job saw God, Job saw Job. The first time that I saw who God truly was, I was looking in the mirror and I didn't see God. I saw Matt McNeely and he was a horrible person. And he was going about ruining the lives of himself, his wife, his children, everyone. He was. He was a bad, bad person. That's what Job saw. That's what you and I should see. Because we see the truth about who we are, and that leads us to say, you know what? Our, we, we have got to be pure in heart. They're still refining. They're still stop quenching the Spirit. Move towards God. Stay in Christ Jesus. That's where we need to be. Good thing, good thing that man's dead, right? Thank God. Oh, Lord. So, uh, Psalms 24, 3 through 5. So, the perfect solution. Who may ascend onto the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in His holy place? One who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to deceit and has not sworn deceitfully, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Who is it? Jesus Christ. Who was able to do that? We were preacher and I was talking Thursday whenever we were trying to fix this sewer out here. Revelation chapter five. Everybody's weeping in heaven. All of heaven is weeping because no one's there that can open the book. And they searched all through heaven. And guess what? There was one found righteous, and that was Jesus Christ. And because of that fact, you and I now have the ability to go before the throne of God. Because before, all was lost unless the books could be opened. That's this right here. There was no deceit found in his mouth. There was no guile. Y'all, we can go back to when he's... We know those scriptures, right? They plucked his beard out. He never said a thing to him. He never reacted poorly. He never, why can we? Because we are in Christ Jesus. Because he is the righteousness. He is pure and he is perfect. It says in Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, this is a great promise. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and bring it about that you walk in my statutes and are careful and follow my ordinances. What do you think happened when you got filled with the spirit of God? That promise in Ezekiel came true in your life. Right in that moment. Why do you why are you able to do the things that you're able to do because that's what happened. That transformation took place in your life. Now if that's not a reality and you're playing the game, there's going to come a day where that's going to have to be real. Those are the things that we can't settle. We can't say, well, as long as you believe in it, no, no, this has got to be a reality for you. Not for me or the preacher or whoever you gave your hand and gave Jesus your heart. That's not the point. The point is there had to be a point in time, true, where you honestly surrendered your life to Christ and you were filled with his spirit. Not a secondary infilling and, and signs and wonders, are, but in one instantaneous moment, you were what you were. And 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Behold, all things are made new. I am not who I was. Behold, all things are made new. Does that mean everything about me is perfect? No, but guess what? Everything about me is now new. 
It's just though the old man is gone, he had to be put to death. If he wasn't, then Christ couldn't look at me and see righteousness. God couldn't see the righteousness of Christ on me. Jesus Christ, the Spirit can't infill a vessel that hasn't been touched by the righteousness of God. He doesn't fill sinful men. He doesn't fill sinners and those who are astray. First, he, by faith, he reaches out, like we said, and he calls you out from among them. Then he cleanses you. Then he fills you. What is that like? Well, I hope you've experienced it. You should be able to say, you should be able to say, well, I know exactly what that's like because I remember that moment. And I remember exactly how that felt. And I remember this is what happened or this is what happened. Because here's the other part. Every single person's salvation experience is not the same, nor should it be. Because we're all in different places in our lives and we're all in different struggles. Some people find it just the goodness of God drives them to it. And then there's others that it's in the moments of their lowest despair ever that they finally give in. You know, it's different for everybody. This idea that it's got to be a certain set way, and if yours wasn't like mine, then you weren't saved. Well, that's ridiculous. Show me another facet in life where that's how it works. There isn't one. The fact is, is that you know that you've been saved, and you have fruit that is bore that shows that. So then we go Philippians 3, 8 through 9. More than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them mere rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Is that true? All the things that you used to love, that you used to want, do you count those greater than Christ? No. That's why you don't do them anymore. It's not because you say, well, I, I, people use this. Well, I can't do that because I'm a Christian now. No, no, that's not true. You don't even have the desire to do that. It's changed. Are there things you struggle with? Oh, most certainly. There are still things that you struggle with, desires that are wrong. But as a whole, you don't. And then you overcome those things through the blood of Christ. He says, and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law. If anybody could have claimed that, who would it have been? Paul. Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He, if, if righteousness came through the law, Paul would have had it. He says, but that which is through faith in Christ. Do you truly have faith in Christ? Well, what does that look like? That means I listen to what he says and I obey his word. He is my master and my Lord. Is that perfect? No, but I sure do try. I actually put effort into trying to live my life in Christ. He says, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. It's not by my works. It's not by my actions. But we also know that we can go and look at what James said. And what does he say? Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you your works without faith. Faith is dead without works. Because to, to be alive, to be something, you have to be doing something. And to be alive in Christ Jesus means the life that's in me is 22-22 in the Greek. It's real life that springs forth out of me. My, my desire is for everyone to have that. And from that, I serve God. And it doesn't look perfect all the time. And many times it's done where I feel like a robot many days. I get up and I know what I'm supposed to do. My programming is great. And I don't even feel my body doing things because I'm hurting or I'm tired or my, I'm just not, but I'm, but I'm doing it. It's the Spirit of God that's driving me. Do you see that? Though when everybody else is laid down or everybody else is given up or they say, how are you doing that? You can say in the Spirit of God. I am being driven by the Spirit of God because my flesh is weak, but my spirit is strong because my God says that whenever I need Him, just like 
He'll lift me up on eagle's wings. Those things are real for us. That's the things we should be thinking about in those low points. When things are at their worst, God is always there with us. And finally, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And that's it. That's, that one verse right there is enough. Again, he made him who knew no sin, that's Christ Jesus who is delivering this sermon, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Why, why can we be pure in heart? Because of Christ Jesus. So that we might become the righteousness of God. Where? In Him. In Christ. Not apart from Christ. Not in the Baptist. Not in the Catholic. Not in the Methodist. No, in Christ. Quit worrying about religious markers. Or where you are, or where you were, or where you're... Be in Christ. Be in Christ. Mindfully be in Christ daily. Start reading Galatians. As the pastor has alluded about 47 times over the past month, he's going to preach it. Start reading Galatians. Start studying. Prepare your heart for the word that's about to come. Because Galatians is... You, it's great. It's, a, it's great. But I'm telling you, start praying about it. Start reading it. Start studying it for yourself. Let me tell you, it takes a little bit of time it takes a little bit of time out of your life, and I do get that. But when you know for sure that he's going to be preaching a series like we're doing this, if you would take the time to study this, like next week we're going to do 5-9 for sure. If you took the time to study it, there's a difference between learning it and, and, and amening it. Right? There's a difference between being a student and learning something and being a student who can teach another student something. We should be, just in Hebrews chapter 5, 8, you should be at a place in your life now where you can teach other people, not just come here to be taught. We are not just discipling one another. I'm not discipling you. You should be discipling people outside of these walls and people within these walls. We are of that age. We are on meat at this church and not on milk. So if that's not a reality in your life, we need to be more disciplined in discipleship. Because here's the thing. I heard a preacher, I talked to him this week, and it's just funny because I've had several tell me this lately. What he said was, he said the biggest problem with churches right now is, is everybody shows up to be fed. And you're supposed to be feeding yourself at home too. It's not just about coming to church to be, you're, you come to church to be discipled too like to hear the truth, to know the truth. But you should be feeding yourself every day. The Word of God says that. It's not just bread and water. If you're expecting to come here once a week and get everything you need for a whole week or don't show up for two weeks and then think that you're going to get three weeks worth in one, you're sadly mistaken. That's not how it works. That's not what the Word of God says. So if you would, bow your heads. Father, we thank you again for another time to be in your house, Lord. Thank you, God, that your Word is seamless, Lord. Thank you for each one who was able to be here. And we ask that you would touch those who are sick, Lord. You see the virus that's spreading throughout our church, Lord. It's touched uh, many a family this week, God. Father, you see the coming week, Lord, the, the temperatures, and it's not lost on you. Once they get over 100, all the way up to 105, we ask, we ask that you would touch and protect those that are within this church, Lord, and those that are without, those in our community, within our state and our nation. God, be with them. Be with those who are working those men and those women that are outside, God, that they would be mindful, that they would follow procedure and protocol, God, 
that you would speak to those who are on the on the verge of having a heat stroke. God, we just ask that you would touch, that you would heal, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way. Be with us as we go into the service, Lord. As always, God, we ask that we would get a fresh word, Lord, and that it would renew our spirit and that we would come to have more knowledge of who you truly are. Be with us throughout the day. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Learning Curve podcast brought to you by Abundant Grace Church here in DeVille, Louisiana. Uh, we invite you to look at our webpage. It is www.abundantgracechurchonline.com. Uh, there you can find all the different ways that you can uh, be in contact with us. Thank you. Thank you.